principle of your heart, love and faithfulness. The rest are pretty much from, from Matthew, but blessed are the pure in heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Out of the abundance, the heart, no, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. In the parable of the sower, we learn that the wicked one comes and if there is no understanding of the word, he can snatch the word that was sown in the heart. In the parable of the sower, we also, hearing the word with a noble and good heart, we can keep it. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, etc. Acts 5.3, we read, Satan fills the heart of Ananias to lie to the Holy Spirit. In Romans 10.8, the word is near you. It's in your heart. The heart believes unto righteousness. And in Ephesians 6, doing the will of God comes from the heart. The heart wills to do the will of God. So you see, in ancient times, heart means so much more than emotions and feelings. The heart is the innermost center of a human being. It's the center of a person's intellect. It is the seat of a person's will and the core of a person's emotions and feelings. In the fullest meaning, the heart describes a person's character, who we really are. It is the place of moods and passions. We all know that. We can be troubled. We can be anxious. We can be rejoicing. We can be pure in our motives and our thoughts. We can be anxious. We can be happy. It's the place of moods and passions. It's the place of decision-making we found out in Scripture. We can believe unto righteousness doing the will of God. That's a decision. So the heart is the place of a decision. It is the place of devotion and obedience. Out of the heart, we come forth with good things, keeping the word sown in our heart. Now, having said all of that, a disciple's heart, do you consider yourself a disciple? Yes. Can I hear that louder? Okay. Yes. That's better. A disciple's heart is to be fixed and stayed on the Lord. So what does that really mean? Fixed means, number one, to be firm and fastened, stable and established. And two, to be securely determined and directed rightly. When our hearts are firm, fastened, stable and established on the Word of God, we are rooted and grounded, firmly planted like that oak tree. 
We can bend with the winds and we can weather the storms. And we cannot, cannot be filled by Satan or cannot be snatched away from our God. A disciple's heart is not easily moved, is not easily persuaded or dissuaded, is not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, is not deceived by the cunning craftiness of those who do not believe, is not seduced by the wisdom of old or new philosophy or social science, does not trade the freedom of God's truth for the lure of social and moral abandonment. When our hearts are securely determined and directed rightly, our heart yields to God. Yields to God. We follow Him and because we do, we can be generous and giving gracious and patient. We don't need to be jealous. We don't need to pursue position, wealth, status, things to prove we are somebody or that we have some worth in this world. We don't need to grasp and grab on to society's approval, violating our heart in the process. Scripture says, seek first his righteousness and all else that is needed will be provided. A disciple's heart is the source of courage to believe that God as creator set all things in motion, spoke us into existence, knows us inside and out, knows what is our passion, knows what is our pleasure, knows what we need when we need it and will lead us upon the pathway of right living so we can know him. As Deacon Lee said last week in his sermon, he doesn't promise you the boat will not sink. He doesn't promise that. He doesn't shower us with lollipops and roses every day of our lives. But what he does is reveal himself. He speaks to our hearts and we know that he is our God and that we are his children and his children in favor. He favors us. A disciple's heart knows and believes that holiness is our happiness. We will seek it. We will pursue it. Nothing will get in our way. We will pursue it. A disciple's heart knows that devotion and obedience is our delight. It's our passion. Nothing is going to get in the way. Nothing will be an obstacle. A disciple's heart knows that truth is our treasure. It is our foundation and our reason out of which flows all good things. A disciple's heart knows that obedience is only acceptable if it grows 
to be cheerful obedience. Now, a disciple does not ascribe any of these things as something obtained by merit, as anything that they've earned because they've worked hard, study approved, or because they really are a good person who does good things. These things are not earned. They are given only by the grace of God and the merits of Jesus Christ. And therefore, in humble, humble adoration, a disciple bows their heart down, offering all the worship, all the praise to God. The human heart's treasure be still and know I am God. Our second word is belief, believing. Now, how does believing fit or affect the heart? It says in scriptures, believers trust in the Lord with all their heart and lean not to their own understanding. There's no other way to read this than to say that believers believe. Believe, and I believe this was the Greek, trans, uh, the Greek word, and if I mispronounce it, and if it really is the Hebrew, Hebrew word, uh, please forgive me, but the word is aman, A-M-A-N, and it carries the meaning and intent of stability, confidence, reliability, so what I want to say to you is believing is our decision to make. I want to say as God speaks in the written and in the incarnate word, as he reveals himself, his nature, his power, his truth, he lays it before us, before all, and asks us, do we dare to believe? Do we dare to believe that he is God? Our choice, our decision to make, our decision to believe or not. And having said that, let me also say this, that if we choose not to believe in God, that does not change who God is or the fact that he exists. Believing doesn't make him real. He is real. Now, will we allow our hearts to be believing? Will the seed of believing take root and flourish and grow, producing a heart firm, fastened, stable and established will we believe some of what God says but not all will we allow ourselves the human folly of being influenced and persuaded by people who don't believe God to make him less than he is will, will our God be too small because we are not confident in his revelation of himself. 
we are not confident that he hears our prayers or answers them. We are not confident in the truth and teaching of scriptures. We pick and we choose what we want to believe and what we don't want to believe. Do we do that? Will we allow our life experiences to diminish and dull our thoughts of God? When we are desperate and afraid, will we think God is distant and unaware and simply doesn't care or doesn't have the power to intervene, to turn things around? When we are consumed with worry or anxiety, will we allow God to speak into us Peace, be still. When we yearn with all our heart for something and it is not provided, our prayers are seemingly going unanswered, will we allow skepticism to creep in and take hold? When we are looking for answers and solutions, do we turn to friends for advice or to experts? Or do we research the latest finding of social wisdom or maybe blog wisdom before we turn to God and ask or even cry out? How can we possibly believe when the present circumstances or life experience would have us logically and reasonably conclude that God cannot and will not intervene for us. How do we explain or deal with everything that life hands us? How do we determine to believe God and believe in God? Hard questions. I have the answer. At the bottom line of all of this, bottom line answer to all these questions is that a personal encounter with God is necessary for believing. Now we can be full of knowledge, we can know scripture backwards and forwards and be quite assured that we know by our studies that we know about God. But unless we are believing, we are simply full of information and little else. Believing is our part of the covenant relationship. Jesus asked in scripture, he asked many people in many places, do you believe? And I can tell you, he has asked me more times than once this same question. And then scripture says, you will see greater things than these that I have done. And in today's scripture, Jesus says, do not be afraid only believe. Do we believe that God is reliable? Are we confident that he does know us, know all things, 
and is with us no matter what the reality of the moment is looking like? Do we count on him, trust him? Do we? Do we believe he is the giver of good gifts even when we are in want or in need? Do we believe he works all things to good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose? Do we re really believe individually, right here, right now, each one of you, in your pew, do you believe that God has a call on your life? Do you? Can we say unequivocally, without reservation or restraint, I believe. Believing is what turns the human heart to God. Believing is what trains and convinces the human heart to be firm, fastened, established, rooted, grounded like that oak tree. Believing is hearing the word of God with a noble and good heart and keeping it and bearing the fruit of it. Yes, I know. Time, experience, worry, disappointment, people teach us to be skeptics. They do which is why we need to examine ourselves like the psalmist in Psalm 139. Search me, O God. Know me. Know my heart. Try me. Know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting life. We need to pray as David did. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. When we have a close-up personal experience with God, nothing will be able to persuade or dissuade us. Yes, we live in a world and we are subject to its influences and especially when we are at our lowest points. But these are the times we need to remember he has revealed himself in this world. He has revealed himself to us. Let God reveal you to you. Let him expose the influences that have crept into your believing. Take a good, long, hard look at your heart. And as you find those places of skepticism, root them out with confession, repentance, and believing. In Mark 9:24, we read the story of a man whose son was demonized. The man brings his son to Jesus and Jesus says to him, if you can believe, 
all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father cries out and says with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Jesus rebukes the spirit. The spirit cries out, comes out of him, and then Jesus takes him by the hand and lifts him up. All things are possible to those who believe. Cry out to the Lord when you find yourself practicing skepticism or being tempted to lessen God of who he is. Let him take you by the hand and lift you up. When we have a personal encounter with God, we determine to believe him, to believe his word, and we dare to believe that he gives us the gift of faith. Third word. Faith is God's work. Faith is God's divine persuasion. Faith is God-breathed and Christ-spoken. Faith always comes from God and involves his revelation of himself. Faith is beyond belief although it does involve believing. The human part is to believe. The God part is to bestow the measure of faith that he desires to give as a gift to the believer. Scripture says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Faith is not your work. Faith is received from God, never generated by us. Therefore, faith is a gift given only to those who have determined to believe, given to those who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. God gives the faith so the yielded heart can know him. In 1 John chapter 5 it says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. It's all right there. The believer knows and accepts divine truth and rejects everything else. In Romans 12, we read, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God transforms believing into faith. The believer receives as God grants his divine spark to bring life and light into the believer's life. And this is how 
a believer stores up the treasures of heaven in the heart. Our heart's treasure? Be still and know I am God. Now in the Old and New Testament readings today, God's divine persuasion is for his people to not harden their heart, but to give outward evidence of the treasure of their heart by giving generously to the poor. Not out of duty or strained obedience as reluctant givers, but to give sacrificially, generously, abounding in faith. They are to give as he gives in the sincerity of love to care for others. They must give from their hearts. A heart fixed and stayed on the Lord is a heart that our psalm says is a heart that is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid. A believer reaches down in the depths of his heart to worship God with all that he is, with all that he has. Like Job, no circumstance, no experience, no loss will be able to persuade him to turn away from his God. Job says, even though you slay me, yet... I will trust you. That's believing in faith. A believer's heart reaches up to ascend into the very presence of God. In the Psalms we read, I lift my eyes to the hills. From whence does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Isn't this what Paul and Silas did when they were thrown in prison? They didn't know whether they were going to live or die. They were chained, shackled, dark, dank, prison. And yet with believing hearts and in faith, they sang praise to God. And what happened? Miracles happened. The scriptures are full of people and stories who in the mightiest of crushing and perplexing circumstances believed even more and faith abounded. It got big. There are people and stories that each one of us know where the same is true also. Believing hearts remain firm, fastened, stable, established, and faith abounds. It gets big. In our gospel lesson, we see the believing heart of Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, as he approaches Jesus begging that he come, <coughs> excuse me, that he come and lay hands on his 12-year-old daughter who is at the point of death. What we don't read in the gospel lesson today, what was left out, 
is that this is at the same time the woman with the issue of blood comes and touches the heel of Jesus's gown. Jairus has approached Jesus. He says, my daughter is dying. Come lay hands and heal. Come lay hands. The woman approaches Jesus, touches his gown, and Jairus steps back, waits patiently. Time, precious time, is taken, ticking away. But the encounter with the woman with the issue of blood and Jesus takes place without any interference. We don't see Jairus pulling at Jesus. You can't do this. You don't have time. You've got to come. You've got to come. Do her later. You don't hear that. In fact, you don't see Jairus anywhere in that portion of Scripture. It's all about the woman and Jesus. As soon as that encounter is over, we see that um, people have come to Jairus and they have said to him, your daughter is dead. But they continue on the journey. Folks, even though the present reality, common sense, human reason would say, don't bother, she's dead. Nothing can be done. That's what human reason would say. Jesus says to him, do not be afraid, believe. The unbelievers scoff and ridicule and laugh at him. But Jesus takes James, John, Peter, Jairus and his wife into where the little girl lay, takes her by the hand and says, little girl, I say to you, arise. And she arose and walked. Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, had a believing heart. Firm, fastened, stable, established on God. And he chooses to believe Jesus comes from God. Can you hear him in the silence of his yielded heart as this encounter with the woman takes place? Can you hear him cry out, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Can you hear him do that? When we can say, I believe with full assurance, God breathed and Christ spoken faith is given. God lit Jairus' believing with a divine spark of faith and a miracle from death to life was just as real for him as it was for his little girl. Greater things you will do than I have done, says Jesus. Believe. Without faith, it is impossible to believe God, scripture says. To receive the fullest measure of faith that the Holy Spirit has for each of us requires us to risk believing. 
when our hearts are yielded, we know him, the almighty God, maker of heaven and earth. Our hearts will be firm and fastened, stable and established, unshakable, unmovable, rooted and grounded, reaching down from the depths of our being while reaching into the heights to him who is God. I'd like you to listen to this and then we'll finish.
a disciple's heart's treasure. Be still and know I am God and believe it. Amen.